0: Welcome to the Democracy Dispatch podcast. I'm Justin Marsh, political director at Vermont Conservation Voters. This is your weekly scoop on legislative action as we work to push forward environmental policies for Vermont. Each Monday, we'll take a look back at the week prior, preview the week ahead, and speak with legislators and advocates on topics affecting our air, water, open space, and quality of life. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Senator Keisha Rahm Hinsdale of the Chittenden Southeast District about a housing bill currently in the Senate Committee on Economic Development, Housing, and General Affairs. Later, I chat with Ashley Moore and Connor Kennedy, the Chiefs of Staff for Senate Pro Tem, Phil Baruth, and Speaker of the House, Jill Krowinski. The two provide a peek behind the podiums, if you will, sharing details of their roles, what led them to this work, how they spend their rare free time, and their involvement in helping pass legislation. But first, I want to bring Lauren Hurl, Executive Director of Vermont Conservation Voters, into the fold for our session shakedown segment, where we recap the last week in the State House and give a preview of what's in store. Okay, Lauren, so we're here Friday morning, so some things might be changed since uh, by the time folks are listening to this, but Let's talk about some of our bills that are likely to see some action, either already have or early this week. We have the renewable energy standard. Where's that at?
1: So, that bill has already passed uh, a strong 911 vote out of House Environment and Energy and was sent to the Ways and Means Committee, where they have already taken a look at it and we're anticipating a vote um, as soon as later today, potentially. That then will go to the Appropriations Committee for a quick look as well uh, before going to the floor.
0: So hoping for a floor vote soon. And S213, the Climate Resilience Bill, also similar trajectory there.
1: Yes, we are hoping to see a vote on that bill soon. The committee has been working through um, you know, a number of issues to really tighten up that uh, those resilience policies, our watershed policies. So hoping for a vote um, this week or early next week as well.
0: Great. And where will it go after that?
1: And that will go next. It definitely has to go to the Appropriations Committee, possibly uh, stop off in one or two other committees, Uh, but it does have funding, um, which is really important in this bill because it does create new positions to actually implement our new river regulations and our new wetland policies. And Taking out dams, so it's really important one um, to actually staff up so that the state can do the work that is needed to better protect our watersheds.
0: And there's been a lot of talk about Act 250 this session, and several land that are very important land use policy and reforming Act 250. Um, sounds like feels like almost every committee is touching <laughs> Act 250. <laughs> um, you had a conversation with Senator Ron Hinsdale, but maybe shore up that conversation and why Act 250 is is on everyone's lips this, this session.
1: Yeah, so it really is unusual that you'd have both the House and Senate simultaneously looking at a policy. Uh, but as we've talked about before, just given uh, housing as such a big issue and so many different aspects of it. So there's a lot of progress happening in the House Environment and Energy Committee on their version of a bill. Um, There's also ongoing conversation in the Senate Natural Resources Committee, you know, and everyone's looking at, you know, what is this right balance of how do we encourage more housing in good locations and simultaneously protect our environment? So I think there's really some good agreement on frameworks, uh, but a lot of details that really matter (laughs) like how you do that. Um, And so I had the chance to sit down with Senator Keisha Rahm-Hinsdale, chair of the Senate Economic Development Committee, to hear about the work that her committee has been doing on this issue. Let's go listen to that now. I am here delighted to be joined by Senator Keisha Rahm-Hinsdale, who has been a longtime ally and champion on a whole range of issues, uh, environmental health, environmental justice, housing, and uh, we wanted to speak with Senator Ram Hinsdale today, in particular in her role uh, chairing the Senate Economic Development Committee, where they've been doing a lot of work on housing. And so just wanted to hear kind of how you're thinking about the housing crisis, uh, particularly in the context of so many intersecting crises like climate change. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Well, thank you, Lauren. It's always a pleasure to talk with you
2: and to work with Vermont Conservation Voters. I'm a proud former board member of the Vermont Natural Resources Council. And I think it's really helpful to start from a place of asking ourselves what a sustainable community is. What do we picture? What do we include as our values when we think about sustainability? Um, And I think many folks across the state and involved with these efforts would say that inclusion and equity are important. Um, They'd say that they want to see, you know, A vibrant and green future and one where we reduce our fossil fuel use and have walkable livable communities. So in the very biggest picture I think we are all on the same page Um, and the details are always where we feel challenged Um, and at the same time um, I think we're making a lot of progress thanks to VNRC being at the table uh, with housing partners to talk about if we want to protect half or more of Vermont as open space and wild space and intact forest blocks. What do we do in our population centers and our rural hamlets to make that possible? So you'll see our bill this year, the Be Home Act, bringing everyone home, uh, follow on the Home Act from last year and its focus on municipal zoning by essentially saying we for a long time have not had a statewide land use map. And if we can put that in place, then there are areas where we should probably no longer argue about the land use. If we're going to have a sustainable state, we need open space and recreational access, and we also need places for people to live. And if we can stop arguing about where those places for people to live exist, we'll still have lots of permits for wetlands and for, uh, you know, wastewater and, you know, making sure that they are uh, appropriately regulated, but we won't be arguing that people can't live there. Um, So, you know, last year I was proud that we tackled single family zoning and ended discrimination against multifamily housing. I think that's one of the most environmental things we can do. The more density we have under one roof with less permeable surface, um, the more we're getting at density and keeping people close to where they work so they don't have to drive far distances and just reducing our overall, uh, impermeable footprint. Um, you know, this year, I think we're just taking a big leap forward and saying, we know where we don't want to build and we know where we want to build. And let's clarify that to the extent possible to reduce the cost of housing and to make housing more dense. Um, you know, I think there'll be places where we disagree uh, forever, you know, but really, I hope we can all hang together in recognizing that sustainability means looking beyond ourselves, our backyard, and even our state and and acknowledging that we are likely to have more climate refugees come from the coasts, come from warmer climates. And uh, the change is going to shape us if we don't shape the change.
1: Yeah. No, it's so great to hear that overview. And we were big supporters of last year's home bill and encouraging great density. And, you know, I think it is exciting that there's so much agreement around this framework of let's make it easier to build in the places where we want housing. Uh, Let's protect critical natural resources. And so that gives us a lot to work with and it's been really interesting to see the different stakeholders that have come together that don't usually agree like exactly. the Vermont Chamber of Commerce and <laughs> BNRC and others and yes. so it does feel like there's a lot of room to make progress this year and so um thanks for your your important work on this issue um we have just a minute left but i would yeah. like to hear um i know that um, we have worked together on environmental justice legislation that was really important um, enacted recently and we are now at the point where we need to make sure that that program is sufficiently funded so that it could actually be set up for success. Uh, Can you just tell us a little bit about that issue uh, briefly and what we need now? Yeah, I mean, people can't see me nodding, but
2: (laughs) we, you know, we do need to make sure that program is set up to succeed and not set up to fail as so many environmental justice and civil rights programs can be kind of an afterthought. Um, And it gives me the opportunity to remind us of the flood of July and December um, and recognize that we now have more people attuned to where it's safe for them to live, where it's not safe for them to live, what kind of toxins they might be breathing in. Um, that is all environmental justice, questions about how we give people agency to move out of floodplains, to manage uh, their family's health in a way that that works for them, and to live in safe, healthy neighborhoods. Um Where it stands is trying to make sure it's on a path to success. We have an incredible director of environmental justice in the Agency of Natural Resources, Carla Raimundi, um, but she's struggling to make sure she's well staffed to do critical civil rights compliance work and environmental justice work. Um, We have a council, we have agencies at the table, but I also think we need to fold in um, more perspective from the Land Access and Opportunity Board under the Vermont Housing and Conservation Infrastructure to really make sure that we're reaching back out to communities and making sure they feel touched. And I think the really critical piece there is uh, related to natural disasters, which are coming fast and frequent. We know people end up actually usually dying more from heat waves than from floods, Um, but we need to be responsive a lot more quickly. We look back at Tropical Storm Irene and people still haven't recovered from that. And now they're not having an easy time recovering from these floods and knowing that something else is going to come around the corner soon. Um, We need a really responsive, meaningful way for them to participate in what the future of their community looks like. And that's going to take more infrastructure, more oversight and support, and just you know, really the staff capacity and the connection to all of our state agencies to get that work done. Um, so, you know, it's often and still a, is a question of funding. Um, but, you know, there is hard work involved. We will hit a point where there are big questions about what sustainability looks like from an environmental justice perspective. And um, Carla and ANR need to have the ability to put a stake in the ground for, you know, safety and equity in natural disasters um, and look broadly at, you know, what they should be working on regardless of the federal government that we end up
1: with and what the EPA is telling them to do. Absolutely. So we will... Keep you all posted on how we're able to um, shore up funding and when we might need your voices calling for um, robust funding for our environmental justice program and policy implementation Um, And we'll certainly keep you posted also on how our housing conversation is evolving, another critical issue here. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know it's incredibly busy right now and really appreciate uh, hearing your perspectives and for all you're doing. Well, just thank you for always sitting at a very
2: difficult intersection between environmental and social justice. Um, It's never been a more critical conversation and it's never been harder to keep all people satisfied in that conversation. So I just appreciate that you're sticking sticking to it and not walking away from the table
1: here, here. Well, let's keep at it. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon.
0: Now it's time for my interview with Ashley Moore and Connor Kennedy. The Vermont legislature has about 100 staffers compared to states like Massachusetts and New Jersey, who have close to a thousand. Montpelier is unique in many ways, but the lack of legislative staff allows direct access to legislators for constituents and advocates that many other states don't possess. A bulk of the staff work in the Office of Legislative Counsel. They're drafting, editing, researching, and processing the hundreds of bills that legislators propose each biennium. Besides statewide elected officials like our governor, treasurer, and attorney general, for instance, Senators and representatives operate on their own, relying on assistance from advocates, interns, or volunteers to get the resources and help they need. But the Speaker of the House and the Senate President each get a Chief of Staff. Ashley Moore is a Rutland native who now resides in Montpelier. She is the former director of Main Street Alliance and more recently of Alliance for a Better Vermont. She vacated that role to accept the position of Chief of Staff for Senate President Pro Tempore. Bill Peruth, in 2022. Connor Kennedy is a Heartland native who now resides in Montpelier. He was a staff member for former Senate pro tem John Campbell, and more recently, a former staffer for the Secretary of the Agency of Human Services. He became Speaker of the House, Jill Krowinski's Chief of Staff in 2021. So let's start off with having you describe your roles. What does a typical day look like for you two?
3: I would say there's not exactly a typical day. Um, the only thing typical about it is the fact that there's often 1,000 things to do, um, all of which are time sensitive. But um, I mean, our jobs are making sure that things are, priorities are moving along, that chairs feel supported, um, that we're working out any, you know, kinks and, various pieces of legislation, making sure that the Senate calendar is organized and people feel prepared for the floor and for their committees, um, and just making sure things are running smoothly and running on time um, and making sure people feel heard and supported and engaged and that if they have any issues that we're here to help them navigate those.
4: Yeah, I I would echo what Ashley said, I think um, for me, I think a lot of it is, you know, I'm not a policy expert in any particular field. I like to say I know a little about a lot. So I see my job is trying to connect the right people and make sure there's open lines of communication. Um, You'll hear the speaker say that, you know, one of the things that is most important to her is that everyone has a seat at the table. And so part of that is creating that space and especially for the voices and uh, sort of the different people and groups that have historically not been at the table. And that's a really exciting process, Um, but it's also difficult because you're sort of trying to tear away the layers of, um, you know, this uh, creation of people that have been involved and those that haven't. so. I think we spend a lot of time trying to do things, you know, quickly because that's what Vermonters need. And we have a small amount of time that we're here to basically set the course for the state, whether it be the next fiscal year or a pathway for, you know, a decade ahead in our um, climate goals. And so it's really exciting work. I would say for myself, I start and end the day walking my dog because it's the only time that I truly will have to myself. I think Ashley can confirm once you're here um, there, you're just, people are constantly trying to sort of get your ear for a minute or 15 minutes. And so uh, I, like so many other Vermonters love just having some time outside before I come in. Um, and I do that at the beginning and the end, it's it's great. So that's my day.
0: So are you always sort of on, like how do you otherwise have a, a work-life balance and are you ever able to really escape your roles during the legislative session?
4: I mean, I would say, um, you know, I've been doing this for a little bit now that we're older, but my friends used to throw a party for me in December and it was like a sci- like a going away party because I just disappear for four months. Um, it's, uh, it's tough to try to do all the things that need to be done in a constrained set of time. And for me, Personally, I'd rather um, work outside of it because it helps with my stress, but I also think it's important to try to do really good work, and you can't do that in an eight-hour day. Um, And it's important to talk to people and hear from as many people as possible when you're making a policy um, that will then, you know, we're working on a policy, I should say, that will then go before the floor and for a vote. Um, So... I'm okay with it. I think it it does get tough. There are moments where I'm like, man, all my people are getting together and doing something on a Thursday, and I just don't have the energy. So work life balance would pro could probably be better. But I also just really genuinely enjoy this work, and so I'd never feel like I'm stuck or I I am um, miserable with what I'm doing. I I do feel truly fortunate to love this work and and have a great. Um, group of people that I get to work with every day.
0: Yeah. So Ashley, are you able to ever put the phone away and, and unwind?
3: I would say, I mean, I'm not the best. Anyone who knows me knows that unwinding is not a thing that I do particularly well.
0: (laughs) I'm usually
3: very energetic and, um, multitasking and have a hard time turning my brain off. So I'm not the best at, um, at unwinding in general, especially in this role, but I think that's part of what is so great about the role is that I care so deeply about the work that we're doing. And it doesn't, It while it, it's really busy and it can be stressful and exhausting, um, it also just feels like, an, you know, as cheesy as it might sound, an honor to have this opportunity to do this work because feel like i get to help coordinate you know the work that our chairs are doing and priorities of the pro tem to make vermont better and to influence people's lives in the short and long term and in a positive way and so if that means that at eight o'clock at night i need to you know be on a phone call or getting through emails i can't get through during the day it feels worth it um and like connor said Uh, I do, I definitely do disappear during the session and don't often really get to see my friends because on the weekends it's catching up or recuperating. But, um, but I just tell everyone, see you in June, usually.
0: (laughs) And so how often are you two talking to one another? And is it, and what's the purpose of you coming together and coordinating for your separate chambers?
3: Connor and I are, essentially in constant communication, um, during the day, either he's at my office door, I'm up at his office door, <laughs> because we're, you know, thankfully the speaker and pro tem typically have a lot of shared priorities. Um, you know, climate is a top priority of both of theirs. So we're always, uh, talking about, you know, schedules and what, our committees are working on and when we can expect certain bills to come over and just trying to make sure things are running smoothly, Um, you know, navigating complicated issues, roadblocks, other things. So we're, we're basically always in touch, which is nice. Um, It's nice that going into this role, um, we had already had a a long friendship. um, And so we had a really good foundation of trust and um, familiarity with one another. So it makes it all, all that easier and more fun when you have to, to work through hard or complicated things.
4: Yeah. I mean I, I would that's what I was gonna sort of lead with like, you know, we, we wouldn't probably be texting as much as we are now, but before uh, these roles, Ashley and I were friends already. And so, you know, in some capacity we'd be texting about, you know, The day or you know trying to find time for a group of us to get together um it certainly makes it easier i think you know like i'm a very face-to-face person i think things can get lost in translation um in emails or texts but had like knowing ashley and being able to like and i think she knows my mannerisms as well being able to text or just have a frank conversation when one of us is like stressed out about something the other chambers doing or not understanding like hey why are you all doing this and then getting the other side and we're like rights that makes sense. Um, it just keeps the overall temperature down which I think is important and you know like I tell people Vermont is so much different than DC. I like to think we come into this more with like a West Wing vibe like we have a problem we need to fix it. let's work together and find like a creative solution um and dc is more like house of cards where it's just like nothing's getting done it's sort of like clandestine and in the shadows um it's not it's not something i think our bosses or you know the members that are elected here are interested in and it's not what vermonters are interested in you know we have four months to do stuff so i think being able to communicate um you know with ashley and just let her know like hey this is where the house is doing i know that this isn't exactly where the Senate might be at, but I just wanted to like flag it for you and we can circle back and you know find that middle uh, solution and or, you know find the compromise solution. Um, I think that's just really helpful. And it's what we all do in our lives, right? It's like finding compromise with our families, and our friends and, um, and all sorts of work environments. So.
0: so you've mentioned that you're consistently very busy during the legislative session and you basically have no lives. So I'm curious... After each chamber adjourns for the year and after any special veto session happens, what do your summers and falls look like? Do you get any reprieve or is there special work you're doing during that time of year?
4: We are a part-time legislature, but I, I think that has gone to the wayside a little bit. I mean, there's just so much work, whether it's study committees um, and working groups during the summer, that's especially true during the first half of the biennium. Um, but the second half, you know, it's doing some of that work, but it's also everyone's gearing up, uh, for elections. So, um, again, like Ashley and I both love this work, so that's great. I would say that I absolutely love fishing. I've, it's a great way to connect with people. A bunch of my friends, it's something we all enjoy. I've never been a big golfer Uh, I'm not a big runner. So I love fishing. So I try to do that as much as I can during the summer. We have amazing fishing here in Vermont. Um, and I, I will admit sometimes I even do some fishing in New Hampshire, but, um, that's really great. And I just try to like catch up with people. Um, you know, Ashley said it earlier about the weekends, like recuperating. I spend sort of like a week after we adjourn, just like absolutely chilling out and, um, trying not to do much, letting my brain sort of reset. But, um, yeah, I mean, Vermont in the, I love all of Vermont seasons, even though it's like 12 degrees and windy right now, but Vermont in the summer is awesome. And so there's just a bunch of stuff you can do including just being outside and enjoying, uh, mother nature. So.
3: Yeah. I would say, um, this past summer since we experienced some devastating floods in early july this summer was was um an outlier as i understand it for the amount of work that happens in the off session um so i think it was you know abnormally busy this summer and fall um so even though we have a part-time legislature work still continues even if we didn't have you know natural disasters this summer um, there are always summer study committees and task forces and um, constituent meetings and various events going on. So it's still busy. It's just a different pace. Um, and the work, of course, looks differently since we're not actively passing legislation when we're not in session. Um, in my in the off session, um, I definitely do feel like I get more time to see my friends and family and go on hikes and explore various parts of vermont or take trips weekend trips to maine and things like that so um, even when it's busy it feels it's definitely easier to have uh, a better work-life balance um, and then you know have have ample time to do planning ahead of january
0: and what led you to this work and how tapped into Vermont politics were you before? And was this something that you sort of saw for yourself? Connor, I know that you have run for office before and both of you are Vermont residents and longtime Vermonters, but yeah, curious.
4: I, mine was kind of an accident. I worked in the same office that Ashley is now as my first role. I think it was like, 10 or 11 years ago, I really need to figure out when I first started working, people ask me and I like, don't remember, which is not great, but let's say roughly a decade ago. And I saw the pro time at the time, Center, John Campbell at a local restaurant um, back down the upper Valley. And my parents were just like, you should just ask him. You're looking for an internship. You should just go ask him. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. This is so weird. And I did, and he was like, yeah, sure, apply. And I applied, and I didn't uh, hear anything back for a little bit until this wonderful woman, Rebecca Ramos, sent me an email, and I interviewed, and we really – she was the chief of staff for Senator Campbell at the time. We really connected, and I um, just fell in love with it. I I think the process here is so – just funny and awesome like you're sending all these people that don't necessarily have professional legislative experience but they have their own life experience and the uh, trust and faith from their community to go represent them and make really difficult decisions Um, and i just think it's the coolest thing in the world like it on paper i think if you explained it to someone that had no clue about this process. They'd be like, how does that work? That shouldn't work. And it works and it's great. Um, And so I did that. And then, you know, I've worked in other state government entities for a while and was fortunate enough three years ago on Christmas Eve, I got uh, a text from the speaker and then a follow-up call. And she asked if I wanted to come be her chief of staff here. And I, uh, was at the time really burnt out from the job I was at. And it was just the biggest, um, sort of gift Christmas gifts. Uh, and she's amazing. And I have just loved every day since then, even when we were legislating via zoom. Um, so I don't know if I ever was like, yeah, I want to work in public service. Both my parents are, uh, lifelong public servants. Um, but I, I just enjoy working with people and Vermonters are awesome and we all have our like cool stories and histories. And so being in the state house that brings people from every community across the state into one building, um, it's pretty magical and it sort of checks all the boxes for me.
3: I got into politics by accident. Um, I did not grow up Ever having conversations about politics or, you know, whether that was state or federal. Um, And my mom actually voted for the first time ever this last election cycle because she was so um, inspired by Becca Ballant. So it, it, I've not been, I had not been exposed to this world um, throughout my life. It was really when I was in, I was a college student at UVM. And I was waitressing, um, I had a couple jobs on the side while I was a student, and I was waitressing, and um, I, or serving rather, um, and I was volunteering with an organization that was working on a campaign for paid sick days, and in that role as an intern slash volunteer, I met. The woman who at the time was running the campaign she offered me a job that was supposed to just be temporary for the summer it turned into a full-time job um, with main street alliance doing business outreach um and then i loved that work so much that i wanted to continue it and i felt like it was something that really was well suited to my personality i felt like motivated in my life what made me motivated Feel motivated was injustice, and so um, getting to do that work, working with small business owners across the state, um, running the I ran a, the paid family leave coalition for many years, um, and then I very briefly worked in the electoral space, um, and I have been really glad to come back to focusing on policy. Um, in this role. And getting to work with Senator Baruth has been great because he's really amazing and values aligned. And um, I've been really lucky to work with him and and every senator and to get to know them better. Um, And so it was, you know, getting involved in politics was definitely not something I ever would have expected for myself. But I think really at the core of My current job and all the jobs that I've had um, is this sort of, this commitment to a thriving, vibrant Vermont. I feel like it's, Vermont is my family. It's my community. I care about it deeply and want everyone in Vermont to have, you know, happy, healthy lives, and so being able to be part of something that's, you know, an, an institution that's Contributing to that every day is really an honor. And I feel really lucky to have this opportunity.
0: So do you just get, you get tapped for this. It's not a a role that you apply for. Connor mentioned a text from Speaker Krowinski. Is that how you fall in? You sort of fall into this role a little bit?
3: Um, I will, for me, I was in a role where I was working on this communications project, and I was talking to um, legislators that I thought would be interested, and in those conversations got a sense of you know who was thinking about running for pro tem or majority leader who wanted various you know chair positions and so on and um in I had had a coffee meeting with Senator Baruth, and I had known that he was planning on running for pro tem. Um, and I knew him a little bit from working on paid sick days, although at the time I was um, a business outreach person, so I didn't spend that much time in the building. Um, and so it after talking with him and knowing he was planning on running for pro tem, I felt like in our interactions, like it would be a really good fit. And I always, knowing myself well, I knew that this role would check all of the boxes for me like all of my strengths um in every job that i've had i felt like we're really would be able to to shine in this type of role that it would i just i love the chaos i love the unpredictability i love all the personalities um and so i had basically said to him that you know i assume he's going to be at some point in the near future looking for a chief of staff that I'd be really interested in talking to him more about that. Um, and kind of left the ball in his court knowing that it was at the time pretty early to be having those conversations, but also wanting to be really proactive and in, in letting him know that I thought it would be a good fit. So we had a couple of conversations and thankfully he also thought it would be a good fit. And um, so that was how it happened for me. and. It, it sounds like for Connor, it was somewhat similar.
4: Yeah, it definitely it definitely is. I mean, I think, um, you know, Vermont is small, right? And so I remember, um, you know, as I previously mentioned, uh, Rebecca Ramos told me, like, if you do something in the morning, everybody sort of knows by lunch, right? And it's uh, it was just a way, a great way of saying, like, you know, do your best be honest, people make mistakes, but you know, if you're doing something with poor intent, like everybody knows, and then you sort of have that mark on you and boy, I can, ca- like I've made plenty of mistakes over the years, but I think as long as you work really hard and you try to do your best every day, it, it sort of, it can get around, you know? And um, I think for me, I, you know, I, I didn't know what was sort of happening in that space um, with the speaker looking for someone, and uh, people that I had worked with like recommended um, that she reach out. Uh, you know, like I I remember through the grapevine people asking about Ashley and potentially her being there, and I was like, yes, that would be a great fit, right? And so it's you sort of do it. It's like any job with like reference checks. I would say. Um, the difference is, and this happens in other things. You, um, there's a a closeness where it's um, it's very unique. You know, it's you're helping support this leader, and in our case, that is overseeing 149 members for a chamber, um, and trying to manage and make sure. That that's going as smoothly as possible, but just like it doesn't mean that life stuff happens. So when stuff in my personal life has happened, and the speaker as well, like you're sharing those moments and supporting um, each other during that, like we do with other members as well. And so I think beyond just sort of like a you know a resume piece, it's your personalities and you know is it someone that you believe can support you um, during the great times and the tough times and um, We certainly started, you know, I knew the speaker a decent amount, but it it was certainly a big jump. And, you know, at the time we were mid-COVID. And so I didn't get to meet her in person, I should ask her. I don't think it was until like the middle of that first session or maybe it wasn't until the summer. Um, So we started this really, you know, uh, intense working relationship via Zoom. Um, and just like so many Vermonters and people across the country trying to learn this, you know, the quote unquote new normal that was remote work. Um, and that was funky. So it all worked out and it's great. And, um, but yeah, I think, you know, for other people that I've spoken with that are interested, it's like trying to find an internship, just get your foot in the door. We like, you know, in, in our office, um, People that are interested, we're like, come shadow the speaker for a day and like just see what it's about because it, it might be something that you really enjoy or you might get out of it and you're like, I want no part of this. Like This is not for me. Um, and so I think we try to create a lot of opportunities just for people to see what it's all about um, and not just with the speaker, but we have so many great members um, just to meet and sit down for a coffee or... Chat with them in their committee room, and so trying to make that space and make sure that people know it's it's something that is attainable. I think is really important.
0: And just pivoting quickly to to some of the policy work that happens in the state house, what what's been one of the more sticky or controversial policies that you've dealt with? Thinking particularly particularly about this biennium that we're in, um, and what what role do you find yourself in with navigating that, and and how do you sort of weather those? Maybe tense or heated conversations.
4: Uh I mean the mushroom bill. That's a doozy. Well, oh, man, trying to pick pick the uh, state mushroom. Just <laughs> everyone, everyone loves that bill. Um, I, uh, you know, I would say it's happening this biennium, but it's happened ever since I started this work and long before that. But any education thing, you know, kids are involved. Schools are, for the most part, the community center, sort of the hub. Um, We are a state that historically continue to have local control. Um, It's just, it it is rooted in our fabric as Vermonters, um, our connection with our schools. And so any... I was going to say change, discussion around it just automatically, I think, um, puts people a little on edge. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but um, I think you have to navigate, figure out ways to communicate or create the space to have different um, viewpoints be uh, and keep the temperature down. And that is re- like in a lot of conversations, you can do that, but with education issues, I've largely seen that that's tricky. Um, and it's because people care, they just see a different path forward. Um, and so we're navigating that this year across the board with a lot of different, um, education policies, obviously education property tax issue is front and center, but, equity issues access you know the quality of education these are all things that are being discussed in um both the house and the senate um you know and and thankfully we have uh, both chambers um deciding to look into the issues there because one chamber can't do it on its own and so you know back to your question about communication the speaker to pretend ashley and myself like we work really hard to try to quote unquote split up the work right and so we don't we're not focusing on the same issue using the same staff and the same people. It's like, hey, we're going to look at this part of the education uh, piece of the puzzle today or this week. What do you think about it if you look at that? And then we just swap. Right. And so that's happening now. Um, and, you know, it, it, it will continue for throughout the rest of the session. But in the years to come, um, we'll just, can, you know, everyone wants to make sure that we have a robust and high quality uh, public education system, but you know that also um, we can afford and make sure we understand you know what what that looks like. so that would be my pick.
3: I will say what feels and what feels appropriate for this podcast is uh, act two fifty reform in modernization um, that's something that we all are in the middle of we're currently all in the middle of conversations involving Act 250. Um, How can we update this 50 year old law that we know has been part of shaping the Vermont that we love, um, but like any law is deserving of our focus and attention to figure out, is it currently, you know, meeting the needs of today's challenges, including climate change and our housing shortage So that's something that has been and will continue to be um, at the core of a lot of conversations this coming, like this current legislative session, um, and is something that can be really tricky for people to navigate. There's, I think, everyone's on the same page that, well, maybe not everyone, but (laughs) a lot of, uh, I would say, the majority in the Senate and definitely the pro-tem believe that we can figure out a way to address our housing shortage and also continue to to protect the environment that we know is pretty critical to um, Vermont's livelihood and vibrancy. And it's what we all live here for a reason. And um, we need to keep that in mind and be really intentional. And so I think we have, A lot of really hard conversations and committees across chambers. Um, You know, we're constantly bringing in the experts, um, the policy experts, to have conversations as we, you know, move bills forward, and we'll continue to do that. And um, there's definitely points where it's it's really hard and really complicated, but it's it's generally worth it in the end. So,
4: (laughs) generally, yeah,
3: Yeah. (laughs) generally worth it in the end. (laughs)
0: Well, in closing out, Ashley, you had mentioned on the Conflict of Interest podcast that you are a prankster, and so I want to
4: know—I
0: want to hear about some of your successful pranks, and then I also want to know if if Connor should be watching his back.
2: Well,
3: so it's—I'm so bad at coming up with examples on the spot, but I feel like I am a huge prankster. A lot of times, they're hypothetical pranks just for comedic relief. Um, And I will just pitch them to the pro tem um, and which, because thankfully he has a good sense of humor and also enjoys pranks. Connor is often the focus of a lot of these hypothetical pranks. 95%
4: Um, of the time, to be clear, 95.
3: (laughs) And sometimes someone else who loves to brainstorm pranks with me involving Connor is the, is uh, the Senate secretary. Um, So something about Connor just, really inspires us in that way. Um, and now, of course, I can't think of a single one. And I'm I'm sad to admit it because it sounds like I'm all talk and no game. But I promise you there have been a lot of good ones and there will be more. And I'll just have to tell you offline when I think of them.
0: Perfect. I can't wait. Well, thank you both. I think obviously having a good sense of humor is really important for this role. And and I think you both bring that to the table. and. Um, successfully are able to to manage what seems like a very uh, hefty lift for sure
4: <laughs> the you. house is way more fun so if whoever listens to this come visit us we have a great time
3: yeah <laughs> definitely not <Sometimes laughs> way we've got better colors too green is way better
4: oh my gosh <laughs> on that note thank you so much thank you
0: I want to thank our guests, Senator Keisha Hinsdale, Connor Kennedy, Ashley Moore, and Lauren Hurl for assisting me. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can subscribe to our emails, see our legislative environmental scorecard, and learn more about our work and policies by visiting vermontconservationvoters.org. Have an idea for a story or want to provide feedback, reach out. Next week, we will be back with the party candidates for Burlington Mayor, Progressive Emma mulvaney Stanick, and Democrat Joan Shannon to hear their climate priorities for the Queen City. Until then, thanks for listening.